my drive comes from a need and a want to never be broke again. I don't ever want to have to rely on anyone for anything. I want to get it on my own. I never feel like I'm at a place where I'm, okay, I've made it. There's always more to do. There's always another acting job. There's always another producing job. I never get comfortable in where I'm at in my career. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. And I'm Laura Brown, Editor-in-Chief of InStar Magazine. Each week, I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. We are starting things off with Lala Anthony. Now, maybe you know Lala from her time on MTV, her movies, the TV show Power, her books, or, I don't know, her incredible bathing suit selfies on Instagram. Oh, teach me your ways, Lala. Anyway, I caught up with her over Zoom to talk about how she seems to do it all and be such a loyal and good girlfriend at the same time. That ain't nothing, ladies. Oh my God, you're like, you're like a full, full podcaster now. It's, it's so good. Look at your setup. Ladies first with Laura <laughs> Brown. <Okay>. All right. <laughs> I will put my uh, professional hat on and say, welcome to Ladies First. A bit of backstory. I, I like to talk about how uh, I've met people. And I met, I met Lala a couple of years ago. We were at a dinner for Sierra, who was on uh, our cover at the time. We're in Hudson Yards on this big wide kind of modern table and we're all kind of away from each other and it was a lot of corporate people there and and all that kind of stuff and you were sitting across from me but you were sitting next to my fiance brandon i love brandon Uh, (laughs) that's my guy and you and i were talking across the the table and i just thought to myself i obviously knew who you were i mean you know and i and i knew you as a as a celeb and all the other things but i just thought what a good soul and what a, an open person you were. And especially at those kind of dinners, which you could just be like, here's my obligation. Right. Let me do Let me do my 30 minutes and leave. Yeah, let me put on my freaking, you know, put on my dress and just do my picture and, and go and, and phone it in. And you didn't. And you were really happy to be there. And I, I remember being very, very struck by your character then and there. And then we like swapped numbers. Yes. And then the rest is history. <laughs> and, we, and we picked each other up, frankly. Yes. And um, so now Brandon, uh, Lala and I are a thruple. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> is that what a thruple? Oh my God, it's my yeah. first time hearing that. We're a thruple. Okay. <laughs> and it's working out great. But when I think about you, I think about drive and I think about loyalty. Thank you. And drive to succeed what you have. And also loyalty, because as often as I see you on your Instagram, I see your girlfriends. And I see all your friends, and you are always supporting them and talking them up. And Brandon, who at last I'll talk of him, but he was like, she builds up everybody around her. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's so sweet. So how have you been through this pandemic? We are now coming up uh, from March. Where are we? November. Um, Eight months of this. Uh, kept focused through this and if you've lost focus that's fine too it's been just an emotional roller coaster throughout the whole thing and anyone who says different is is a superhuman because it's been emotional roller coaster and it's okay i keep saying it's okay to acknowledge and say that you've not been okay through this whole thing we're not supposed to be okay through this new world that we're living in. And as long as I remind myself that I'm gonna have those days where I just don't feel okay, I'm okay, if that makes sense. And I don't put the pressure on myself to be okay every single day. When you go out, everyone's wearing a mask and that's just become the new norm everywhere you go and you just learn how to function in this new world that we're all living in. But it's been tough, it's definitely been tough. And I have one son, Cayenne, who's 13, and him adjusting to 
online school and sticking your kid in front of a computer for eight hours a day and saying, hey, you better focus, you better. I mean, it's challenging all the way around for, you know, parents as well. So it's been difficult, but definitely pushing through and figuring out ways to just adjust to the new norm. Because what are you going to do? You have to get back to living. You have to get back to society and loving and working. So you just have to figure out how you function in this new norm that we're in. When you've had those days when you just can't do it, what have you done? I just take a break and allow myself that time and try not to put too much pressure on myself. What we don't realize is we end up putting more pressure on ourselves than anyone else does. Like the world is okay. Everything's going to be okay. But we're the ones saying, no, I have to do this. I have to do that. And I'm just trying to find better ways to manage my days so that I don't consistently feel so burnt out or just over it. Because when I have Zooms or these podcasts, I want to bring great energy. I want to feel like myself. I don't want to be like, oh, another one, another one, another one. So I'm getting better at just managing my schedule so that when I do these kind of things, I can come with the right energy and, and feel good and feel like myself. It's not a bad thing for, for women to acknowledge what your limitations are. Right. It's fine. And that's why I said, just even acknowledging, you know what, today I'm not okay. To me, that's fine. You're not going to be okay every day in the current state of everything that's happening. Yeah. You just go, I'll see you tomorrow. Or maybe the day after. <laughs> Even when I'm outside now and I just see everybody with their masks, you look around and you're like, wow, this is this is for real. This is how we're living now. It's like some of it feels like a twilight zone, like when you look around. But again, it just shows how resilient we are that we just have adjusted to the new norm and we adapt and we adjust. And it's like, hey, I'm still going to try to live my life and find my happiness and do what I need to do. Just gonna have, I'm just going to have a mask on while I'm doing it. But <laughs> I have a mask on. I'm able to do a little bit more with my eyebrows right, Exactly. Today. <laughs> and my mask is going to match my shirt, and I'm going to make it fashion, and it's going to be awesome. Where do you think your drive comes from, or your hustle, or your upbringing, or diagnose yourself? So I think my drive comes from a, a need and a want to never be broke again. When you come from not having a lot of money or come from a, a family and a life filled with love, but not necessarily the finances, you don't want to feel without, you know what that feeling is and you don't want to feel that ever again. So even though I'm in a place in my life now where I've become extremely successful and I'm super blessed for that, I know what that feeling is like to not have, to want, to, to, to need. So I never want to go back to that. I don't ever want to have to rely on anyone for anything. I want to get it on my own. And even still, as I continue to push forward in my career. I never feel like I'm at a place where I'm, okay, I've made it. There's always more to do. There's always another acting job. There's always another producing job. I never get comfortable in where I'm at in, in my career. Do you remember the first time when you achieved something and your shoulders were higher? Like the first time professionally, what was that? So for me, that was at 16 years old, landing an internship on the radio station because that's what really launched my career. And I remember lying and saying I was 18 because you had to be 18 to get the internship. And I was like, I'm 18. I mean, I probably shouldn't say this, but I had the fake ID the whole thing because I was getting into clubs and doing all of that stuff. So I was like, oh no, I'm 18. Yeah, I'm like, I'm 18. And I remember feeling so proud that one, I got the internship, but like that I was able to kind of swindle my way in there. But my work ethic was that of an older person. My maturity was that of an older person. And eventually they found out, but the, when the work speaks for itself, there's, there's really nothing anyone, anyone can do. And now it's funny. You're still 16 years old and you've done, <laughs> you've done so much. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're born in Brooklyn. Yes. And uh, what, what about being a native New Yorker has, has contributed to your... I think New Yorkers are just a different species. We have a different kind of drive. It's get up and go. You can't live in New York and just sit around. It's impossible. You wake up, you're hearing sirens and the city bustling and people outside and horns honking. You just got to get up and get going. And I just feel like when you're from New York, there's a different level of motivation and independence and not saying other places don't have it, but a lot of other places is more chill mode. It's more coasting along. New York is like, it's like get in there and sink or swim. I started here and the skills I've learned from just being a New Yorker and learning how to function in New York has taken me all over the world. How, how has your drive evolved since you were a teenager? Um, the funny thing is, I, I think it's been pretty consistent because people tell me all the time, like, why is it that you still work so hard? Like you've gotten to a point where you can let your foot up off the gas a little bit. But I always feel like the work is never done and there's always more to do. And I felt like that when I was younger, I would start on the radio and I said to myself, okay, what's the logical next step after radio? Okay, TV. Then I got on TV. What's the logical next step after TV? Okay, acting. Then I started acting. What's the next step after producing? Started producing. I'm always figuring out what the next steps are just to continue to grow. I never want to get complacent in any one thing. I just don't stop. She's the la la inator. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, my friends literally have nicknamed me a robot. They call me a robot. It was so funny. Yesterday, I actually fell asleep on the couch, which never happens. I was so tired. I've been traveling and working. And my friend was like, this is one of the rare times that we see that Lala is actually human. And she's taking a nap. The nap was like 15 minutes. I jumped right up, went back to the next thing. They're like, yo, you are not real. Like you're not a human being. Also, like, how did you learn to present yourself? One thing, one of the other things I, I really admire about you is is just your swagger and how you present yourself visually. Like I love, I'll keep you signing your your Instagram as a. Uh, but but you and your girlfriend, whatever. And then there's just you bouncing about, bow, like in in like a bikini or whatever. Like when did when did you uh, develop sort of ownership of how you look and that presentational skill? It it takes time. I mean, you know, as a female, there's always insecurities and you're always concerned about certain things, but then you're just like, look, this is me. Either you, you love it or you hate it, but I have to love myself. And that's the energy I have to project out there. My dad always said, you know, love yourself from the inside out. Like it starts with me. If I want other people to love me and respect me and view me a certain way, it starts with me. And I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of what I've accomplished. I'm proud of my body. I'm proud of being a woman. I'm proud of all of these things. And I'm not going to shy away from that. I mean, there's going to be a point in my life where I might not be able to wear you know, these bikinis on the beach and do certain things. So while I can, oh, you're going to get these pictures on Instagram. So I'm going to make sure of that. I'm always advocating, you know, looking good, feeling good in any shape, any size, you know, it's, it's important. And it all starts with us. So many times in life, we're looking for this like outside validation all the time. You know, if, if they say they like it, then I like it, or I'm just doing this for people to like it. It starts with you. And when you give off that energy, people feel that and they feed off of that. I mean, not to say you're still not going to have your haters because we all do as part of life. But when people see how confident you are, they feed off of that energy. Uh, one of my favorite sayings is drive it like you stole it. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Drive it like you stole it. Absolutely. And I, and I honestly, Laura, I'm not, I'm not just saying this cause you're on the podcast, but that's what I also love about, um, your magazine in style. And I've told you this before, it's just empowering. And when you read the magazine, you, you, when you're done, you just feel 
good about yourself. You're reading stories about women that are changing the world and doing amazing things. And then you're reading stories about women that dress amazing and are just cool with fashion. It's a mix of everything. And I'm not just saying that because you're my friend. I'm saying that because I really, really mean that. I, I, I'm so touched. See, I told you you were loyal. Look at you. You're, just being, you're being, so, being so on brand. So tell me, when you, when you were growing up, did you ever question, like, because of course now you, uh, you are a, a confident woman and yes, you're on a show called Power and you've written books about power for young, young women, which we'll get to. But when have you questioned yourself with regard to X or Y? I still have moments when I question myself, like you're only human. And a lot of times in this age of celebrity, it's like, well, that comes along with the territory. Don't complain about it. But yeah, you're still a human being and things still get to you or hurt your feelings. And, you know, you might hear some negative comments about yourself from people that don't even know you. And it's like, why would you say that? You don't even know me. If you got to know me, you probably really like me. You have to realize that there's nothing you can do that's going to please everyone Someone's going to say they hate this blue shirt I have. It's just nothing you can do. And you have to remember that. But I've questioned myself along the way just because I've always, since a child, I've always had a need to want to be liked. I always wanted to be the popular girl, the, the cool girl, the girl that everyone loved and liked. And as I got older and really got into this industry, I realized that it's impossible to be liked by everyone. It's impossible to be loved by everyone. Yeah, my cousin says it best all the time. She's like, when you're paying those bills every month, when you're signing those checks every month, none of those people are helping you with any of that. That's you doing that. So at the end of the day, you have to do what makes you happy. And I think it's such a such a valid point. Yeah, when you first started to, if you, even in a small way, receive that, how, how did you feel and how did you kind of restore yourself? I was hurt. Like, I just felt like, why are people not liking me? Or why are they saying these things about me? Or why are all the comments not good ones? You know, you do feel hurt. But my mom says it best. Hey, they talked about Jesus. So who the heck do you think you are that they're not going to say something about you? Once you start thinking about it like that, you're like, damn, you're right. Like, who am I? Jesus? They talked about Jesus. I mean, Jesus, yeah. He had some haters. He had some haters in the comments. Right. I'm like, who am I? <laughs> who am I to be worried about that? And again, as long as you are walking in your truth, it gets easier. Hmm. Getting older helps. It sounds really pat, but it does, you know, because I think that you, you get to develop a certain equity in what you've done and you have a little wall that you make, not a wall to hide yourself off, but a wall that you can kind of stand on. And, uh, and I say that especially, and you would have the same with, with Kyan's 13 and, and with, with young people who are being brought up with all this social and all this stuff that blessedly we were not. I'm so grateful that we didn't have to be in this uh, well, as many benefits as it can have, you know, um, but this wasn't an equation to us when we were when we were young. No, not at all. And it's a whole different world. I watched Cayenne try to navigate through it and it's it's tough. But I think as parents, communication is key. You can't act like it's not there. Can't act like they're not looking at certain things. Even if you took it away from them, they're going to see it on their friends phones on different things. So you just have to acknowledge it's there and really, you know, talk your kids through dealing with it or when they hear certain things, how to process that, understanding everything they read or see is not necessarily the truth or real. So it's all of those layers involved in, you know, raising a child in, in this day and age. What was your first big learning when you'd become a mom that like, oh, okay, this is how it is. I can't think of like the one moment, but I just remember saying there's no, when you leave the hospital with your child, they kicking you out the door. There's no like, here's the, here's the manual. Go to, go to page five to reference how to do this. Go to page 10 for this. It's just like, all right, have a nice life. See, 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 see you again. If you decide,
another kid and then you're just thrust into the world. I'm like, I don't even really know how to put the car seat in the car. Like what is going <laughs> on? Like, it's just, it's just that, but you realize that there is no manual or playbook and you can, you know, take some of the lessons you learn from your own parent. If parents, if there were good lessons there or just figure it out as you go. And so I just had to figure it out. And that's what parents do. You just figure it out and you're going to make mistakes along the way. And you have such a fine young man. Thank you. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to Ladies First with Laura Brown. Again, breaking news. I'm Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of InStyle Magazine. And I'm catching up with a very, very talented Lala Anthony who's just telling me what she's learned from parenting her teenage son, Cayenne. What trait of Cayenne's inspires you most or what impresses you about him, whether it's something new, something day-to-day, something consistent? I would honestly say how humble he is because I always talk to him. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what it's like to grow up with a mom and dad who people know, or when your dad goes out, you know, people are just swarming him or to look at jerseys with your dad's last name on them. Like it's mind blowing to me to grow up that way. So for him to still be so humble and grateful in the midst of what his life is, is fascinating to me. And I have, you know, raised him that way to appreciate the little things and to treat people a certain way. But it's easy to just get caught up in, in all the other things and just, oh, my dad's so-and-so, my mom's so-and-so, I can do this, I can do that as a teenager. But he's just never exhibited those qualities. And that that means a lot to me. And I'm always impressed by that. Turn the TV on and your dad's playing a game and there's hundreds of thousands of people with his jersey on and his sneakers and his, like, it's mind-blowing to me when I think about mm-hmm. it. And you could, you could just rest on your laurels, get high on your own supply, all that kind of, of stuff. Course. I think that bringing up a kid in New York, number one, who has their heads uh, yeah, screwed on yeah. is a triumph. Mm-hmm. And especially one with parents like you guys, and you guys are so supportive of each other as a Thank family. You. Yes, absolutely. And so so freaking mature and super, <laughs> super annoying. Yeah. <laughs> That's because you didn't see me last night losing my shit. But uh, yeah, very mature. I'm very mature. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Hey, for the purposes of this podcast, you are mature, 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 evolved, evolved. and enlightened. Exactly. (laughs) All right. I like to ask women about ambition. When did you first feel ambition and what are you ambitious for? And it's not necessarily the, the cliche. So ambition for me is just, you know, betting on myself and taking a chance on myself. So when I was on the radio in Atlanta at a really young age and I applied for a job in Los Angeles, now I was at this time probably 18 years old. I had never been to LA before. And I got the call that I got the job in LA and I was like, oh, I'm I'm gonna move to LA. I had never been there. I didn't have a single friend in LA. That wasn't my world. And my mom was like, 
you're, you're really going to move to L.A.? I was like, yeah, I am. And to get on a plane and just move to L.A. at 18 years old without knowing anyone to take on this new job on the radio as a teenager still and really find my way to me was the start of being ambitious. And I was like, if I don't do this, I'm never going to forgive myself. I got to give myself a chance, at least try. And if it doesn't work out, say, well, at least I tried. So I did that. And then from there, I got the MTV job and, you know, the career kept going from there. But if I didn't take that chance and bet on myself and have that ambition to do that, who knows where I would be, you know, right now. But it's scary at 18 to go move to a place you've never been to before and start a whole new life. No friends, no anything terrifying. I was like, I'm going to do this. And that's why I always thank my mom. A lot of parents could have said, yeah, moving to California. You don't, you don't know anybody there. Like, what are you going to do? They could have really put a lot of doubt in your head and you feel unsupported. My mom, although she didn't understand the industry, she understood life and was like, go ahead and take that chance and let's just see what happens. I got to say, we're MTV. Can you like host anything now? Like if I put a microphone in your hand, could you just lapse into it? Could you go right here on ladies first? A hundred percent. That's like riding a bike. I could do that with, with my eyes closed. The thing is, I don't host as much anymore because I'm definitely more in the acting thing, but I still get calls for it. I can do it. And if it's the right opportunity, I'll, I'll, I'll resurrect myself and Hey, this is Lala Anthony, guys. Lala <laughs> Anthony on Ladies First. Exactly. And I am. I am one. Thank you so much. So what are you up to right now? Obviously, there's not a lot of uh, shooting happening. Right. So in the pandemic and COVID, I've really been able to focus on the producing side of, uh, of my career, like you said. So Issa Rae and I are currently producing a feature film together, which I'm super excited about. We're getting started on that. 50 Cent and I have a lot of projects together. We're working on a project called intercepted which deals with women who are married to athletes you know something i know a little bit about and and what what uh, it's a little bit and what actually happens behind the scenes in these relationships and also the balance when a woman wants to have her own career but still wants to be a supportive wife to this athlete and and how that can cause issues and what happens there i think it's such a great story and something I'm super excited about is I just happened to get the life rights to the Centoya Brown story. So 50 and I are working on this to bring this to as a TV series. And I've gotten to know Centoya and her husband, Jamie, really well. It's been incredible. And for her to trust me with her life rights is just something I don't take lightly. And so one thing that's great is that not being on set and filming has really allowed me to just get super creative and really all these ideas I, I've had really actually get them off the ground because I've had the time now to just sit and write and read scripts and do what I need to do as opposed to 16 hours a day just on set, you know, in my trailer and stuff like that. So it's been good um, from that aspect. Fo- Focus-wise, yeah. yeah. I mean, in this absolute shit show, which, you know, it has been and how lucky we are. We can, we can just sit at home and we don't have to go and work a shift somewhere. But the, the focus part of it has been a real blessing because there's so much of, of life that is obligation or ritual or everybody's career. And when that's gone, that is the one the singular blessing of this as opposed to like when I, I've met women or when they go, you know, this has really been such a great time. You know, we've just been at home, like, you know, drinking red wine and talking about music with our children. Right, and I'm like, like, well, bitch, you're going to be doing this for a year. 
I'm laughing at you when you say focus because the whole time I'm literally looking at my Peloton bike right here and I'm like, can I get focused on a damn Peloton bike? Because I am focused on everything else. But when it comes to this, this right here, this little mini gym I have over here, I'm like, ah! maybe we should do that together because I could do with a bit of focus on that. Yeah, I'm like, can I focus on that a little bit, please? Did you know that a Peloton bike is not in fact a coat rack? It's <laughs> Okay, let's go to the sort of a loyalty part. Yes. Uh, so many of your posts on your Instagram involve your girlfriends and always have. But who were your, were you always, as when you were growing up, always had a little lady squad? So I'm just a girl's girl. Like, I want to see women win. I want to be supportive. There's enough for all of us I'm of the mindset that what's for me is for me. What's not for me is not for me. And there's enough for all of us. You can cheer your fellow female on and you can be there for them and not feel threatened or feel like it's going to get in the way of what you're trying to do. So I've always been about that. And I've been able to find great friends, well-known friends and, and friends that I've had my whole life that just are of that same mindset and continue to lift each other up all the time. And it's just really important. The world is hard. Even before all of this, the world is hard. Day-to-day -day living, everything we go through is hard. So you need a supportive circle around you of women to just tell you it's going to be okay. You're great. You're wonderful. You're awesome. And I've been blessed to be able to have that. When you were younger or more recently, is there something that a particular girlfriend's done for you at a time when you really needed it? Yeah. I remember when I had moved to New York, this is after LA, 18 years old in LA, got the MTV job, still figuring out like finances. And I wanted to get an apartment and I didn't have enough money for it. And I remember calling Trina, who is a famous rapper, obviously, and saying, like, I don't have the money. And I remember her giving me cash to put down on my first apartment. And it's something I just would never, ever forget because I was in a bind and I really needed that. And it was just like, I got you because I see how hard you're working. And even though you're not there yet, I know, you know, with your potential and where you're going. And and it's just something I just, I just never forget. I get chills talking about it because she didn't have to do that. And it really set me on the right path to continue doing what I was doing. And it was the first time I was able to get like my own apartment without like a hundred roommates and people sleeping everywhere and chopping to rent up six different ways. Yeah. 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 She accelerated your own sense of ownership. And I think that that's what I love about close groups of girlfriend of whatever stripe to edify each other. And it's so to... important. It's so important. And now just Sometimes just being there on the other end of a phone conversation is what someone needs. Just a text in the morning, like thinking about you, love you, hope you have a great day. It's the little things that go so far and you don't know how those little things just affect someone's day. It's like the perfect, like I was having the worst day and I just got this text and I feel better all of a sudden. You don't know what shifts someone's day. So if you're thinking about it, just do it. I had a girlfriend send me a text this morning that made me cry. See what you know? I mean? And, um, and not in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, not in a bad way. In a good way. It's important. And again, to us, it's like, oh, I don't want to bother that person. They got a lot going on, but you just never know how you can just change someone's day. And that's a powerful thing to do. Have you ever been, have there ever been instances where you've been loyal to a fault? That's definitely the story of my life. Not with friends, just in life. I want to believe that everyone thinks like me or has the same heart as me. And then you quickly learn that that's just not always the case could be, you know, in a job could be in a lot of other things, not necessarily just friendships, but you know, it is a doggy dog world out there in the sense, and you have to have a strong spine and you have to be ready for everything. But I've learned, you know, there is a such thing as being loyal to a fault and you just have to find the right people to be loyal to.
I've had friends along the way that aren't still here anymore because of feeling like, you know, I'm always the one doing A, B, and C, and it's not reciprocating. You don't do things for it to be, come back on you. But again, I can't carry everybody. I can continue to put people I love in positions to feed themselves and do great things, but I can't carry everyone. So I've learned that and, and I'm still learning it because I want to be great to everybody all the time and realizing that everyone doesn't deserve that from you all the time. Yeah. And you have to, in the immortal words of Kit DeLuca on Pretty Woman, take care of you. Take care of you. <laughs> take care. You got to take care of you. And, and as you get older, you, you, you do get better at that. Okay. So the last question for this chunk, what does it mean to you to be a ride or die? Ride or die just means I'm going to have your back no matter what. Even when you're wrong, I'm going to have your back, but I'm going to tell you that you're wrong, but I'm going to have your back. That's ride or die. Now, no, I'm not going to have your back if you went and killed somebody or did something crazy like that. But what I'm saying is even I'm going to support you and be there for you, even, you know, in times where you might've made the wrong decision or did something wrong, because that's what being a ride or die means. I'm never just going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And I expect the same. I don't want yes people around me. Oh, you're great. You're wonderful. Yeah, you did nothing wrong. It's like, no, La, you probably should have handled it like that. If you really think about it, you, you messed up here. You might want to go back and rethink that. Those are the kind of people you want in your life. I don't need people just telling me how, how great I am. How am I going to grow that way? But you're so, you're so great. <laughs> Thank you. Just... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You coordinated your sweater <laughs> with your picture. And and you have incredible teeth. They... <laughs> Look at those freaking beautiful teeth. Okay. What is the most badass thing you have ever done, Lala Anthony? Definitely having a child. It just changes who you are, how you view, view the world. It's empowering. It's incredible. So, yeah, definitely having a child. Okay, we're going to do something called 10 firsts where I just ask off the cuff, just like quick, quick things to answer. Okay. Okay. Ten first. Number one, first drink you order. A shot of Patron. <laughs> I'm a savage. I just love, I'm a I savage. Guess. Shot of Patron. You know what it is? I really don't love the taste of alcohol. So if I'm going to drink, it's going to be shots. It's 1942. It's Patron. It's Don Julio. It's all of that. It's shots because three shots, you're going to catch a quick buzz and you're the life of the party and you're ready to go. Instead of just sipping on these little cocktails all night, you get your three shots in and you're ready for the night. <laughs> efficient efficient i'm efficient and this is why she's a robot i'm efficient <laughs> first thing you look at on your phone in the morning first thing i look at oh the daily word is just you know it'd be a bible verse or just something coming from a bible verse that that talks about the day and what to think about during the day i'll go there before instagram and everything else so i try to do daily word first get that in my spirit in my mind then hit the gram and see what's going on and who's doing what and blah, 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 blah. Okay. First person or people you call? My mom. I mean, my mom, she, she just gets it. She just gets me. And sometimes in the most complicated times of my life, just her, she gives me easy answers. So my mom just has a way of just making it all feel relatable and making me figure it out. 
Everyone's like, your mom should write a book of like her one-liners because she has the best one-liners. My friend was going through like a breakup recently and called my mom like, you know, I miss him so much. What, what do I do? She's like, oh, just think about like if he was in the military and like he's never coming home again. Just think about like you're never. I was just like, mom, what? <laughs> like, just put him in the military. He's never going to come home. He's never coming home again. So just think of it like that. I was like, mom, what? <laughs> first, first fashion splurge. First thing you spend some serious cash on it was on a pendant when i was on the radio Ludacris was on the radio as well back then he was called chris Leva Leva, but he started like this rap group called disturbing the peace that was like the crew and i wanted to be part of the crew so bad and i remember putting like this little pendant that said disturbing the peace on layaway at the jewelry store and every time i got paid i would put like twenty dollars on it another thirty dollars and i just kept you know paying off of it till i finally paid it off and then i just felt so proud like oh i'm part of this this is teenager i'm like i'm part of disturbing the peace and i have my little pendant on and i just felt so proud but literally every check i got which was never a lot it was like i'm gonna go put twenty dollars on my chain i'm gonna go put thirty dollars on my chain until i finally got enough to to buy it do you still have it yes yes <sighs> i do i absolutely do first time you owned your shit first time i owned my shit i think probably probably transitioning from being a television host into acting and and maybe mm -hmm. having a thought that oh I could do it because I said I want to do it and realizing like no you got to work at this like no one's going to give you this and I don't care who you are if you're going to do this it's real work involved and and you have to go to class and you have to do this so I had to own the fact that I couldn't just swindle my way in there no fake ID that said I was 18 was just going to get me in the door as a parent I could think of owning my shit where I've just been like what I'm doing right now. I'm just trying to do the best. But I don't know what I'm doing. And what I don't want to do is fuck my kid up because of my own <laughs> issues and insecurities and things like that. I just want him to be a great human and just owning that there are times where you really are just winging it and, and, and understanding that um, in marriage as well, understanding like I might not have this thing, you know, figured all the way out and it's ups and downs and there's no manual to that either. Um, owning that it's hard. And I always say, you know, anyone who says it's not is, is lying and they're not being truthful. <laughs> it's hard. So owning all of those things in different, different phases of my life, um, is when I've owned my shit. I'm not perfect. I'm flawed. I'm a flawed human being. <laughs> Your first date. It was, it probably wasn't a real date, but it was in, in high school. And I thought it was just so cool because my boyfriend was a senior and I was a freshman and this was like the coolest thing. And I remember uh, my mom dropping me off at the movies and we sat and probably barely said even two words to each other. and just like super stiff watching the movie. Okay. First thing you turn on the TV. I would say usually when I turn the TV on, it's on CNN or like the news and just kind of try to do a quick catch up. I don't stay there that long because that could get draining, but I want to be informed, obviously, of what's going on in the world. So, yeah, CNN will be what it is. And then I'll go to my shows and Netflix and all the things that, you know, I like to watch. First favorite Instagram filter. Oh, Instagram filter. Uh, I like Paris. You know, when you take the picture and you just swipe it over once and all of a sudden. But the thing about Paris is sometimes you're too smooth. Everything is just too perfect. It's like, wait, is there like a half Paris that it just doesn't completely wipe me? But anytime I take a picture of Instagram, I'm like that one little swipe to Paris and then, and then post. First thing you do or eat when you're stressed. 
a Nestle Crunch. I am obsessed with chocolate and, and Nestle Crunch is, is my go-to for everything. When I'm stressed, Nestle Crunch. If I'm happy, Nestle Crunch. If I'm <laughs> horny, Nestle Crunch. <laughs> Nestle Crunch. <laughs> Nestle Crunch has become the answer, the answer to all of my problems. <laughs> And literally, Laura, what's so funny is my friends or anyone who knows me, they'll come in the house. They won't even say hi. They just like hand me a Nestle Crunch. I have so much Nestle Crunch in my in my cabinet. It's unreal. First car you bought? Uh, Jetta, a Volkswagen Jetta. It was in bad shape. I remember being on the highway again as a teenager and it was raining. So I put my windshield wipers on. And I'll never forget my windshield wipers flew off the entire car. Like they flew off the car and I was like, oh my God, it's raining. I had to pull over, wait for the rain to stop. But literally the windshield wipers did this and then flew off the car. I was like, okay, this is not okay. But yes, shout out to Volkswagen Jetta. You held me down in, in the early stages of my life and I appreciate you. Okay, finally, the first thing you'll do when this goddamn pandemic is over. Oh, I'm going to party like I've never partied before with no mask and hug the people I love like I've never hugged and kissed them before and just have the moment of being so grateful for it the love and family and people in my life. I just want to throw like a big ass party. Yeah. Just, I want to climb on people that I don't know on the street. Right. It's just, <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Just grab people up and just, I love you. I love you. Just that. Just mount them. Yes. <laughs> just mount them. Yeah, that's it. Just mount them. <laughs> that part. Well, uh, Anthony, you're the best. Just getting to know you as I have in the last uh, couple of years has been such a pleasure. And I feel so lucky that we sat across that two wide table at that plate scraping dinner. And, and you are a tremendous example to, to young women. And I know you look out for them and you're a great mom and you're a freaking robot. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. I love you. I love Brandon. You guys know that. I can't wait to see you guys soon and have three tequilas. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found wherever you get your podcasts. I guess I have to thank people, which is a bit gross, but here we go. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Erica Wong. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find more on InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Instagram at LauraBrown99. 